this is Carla. And this is Stephanie. Welcome to Ripple Puddles Constructive, Constructive Interference. Interference. Constructive interference or wave propagation is a phenomenon in physics that applies to waves of water, light, matter, radio, or sound when two waves of the same source and similar frequencies are proposed, they form either a wave of greater or lower amplitude. This is our first preview episode that includes a bit of insight into the research we're doing for our upcoming episode, Stranger Than What, due out April 2nd. Starting now, we will release constructive interference two weeks before the full episode. Ripple Puddle originally resulted in part from writing and life assignments we'd been giving each other over the past few years. Part of constructive interference is the material or research we're sourcing for the podcast, and part is for you. An assignment of sorts, should you choose to try it. Our assignments are geared to expand perception and to aid creative thinking. Oftentimes, we send each other articles or use video or writing prompts to help break through a topic that we're struggling to understand. Of course, Karen's parents have told her never to take money or candy from a stranger, but right now it looks as though she has forgotten these basic rules. Regarding the subject of strangers, consider a study on empathy from the Max Planck Institute for Evolutionary Anthropology in Leipzig. Investigators found that even with no incentive, toddlers share rewards with others. Empathetic behavior is not confined to humans or even primates. A recent study showed that mice reacted more strongly to painful stimuli when they saw another mouse suffering, suggesting that they share the pain of their cage mates. Being a social creature hints at being an empathetic creature. When I'm eating at a restaurant, I tend not to think of the thousands of other people who have used the spoon or fork that I'm using, but those thousands of other people have had that same fork or spoon in their mouths. Complete strangers. And never mind the hotel beds and pillows, we can sanitize all of these objects. But are they imbued with emotional information or residue? What was the last diner feeling when they used this fork? Was it a first date, butterflies in the stomach kind of feeling? Am I picking up on that? What information do I share with the next person who uses this fork? So we experience the external world as separate entities. You know yourself, but what lies just outside of you is a mystery. There's a certain loneliness in that. Researchers in UCLA conducted studies on this separateness. An excerpt from the conclusion states, Loneliness is the distressing feeling associated with the perceived absence of satisfying social relationships. Loneliness is increasingly prevalent in modern societies and has detrimental effects on health and happiness. Findings indicate that lonely individuals have deficits at a relatively early stage of processing social cues. Lonely individuals are low in social skills and have poor sensitivity to nonverbal communication, whereas they are proficient in verbal communication. People with poor social skills are more likely to become lonely when they encounter negative stressful life events. Every person you know was once a stranger. And with your senses, you investigate them. You try to understand their motivations, the root of their sense of humor, the context of their background. You begin to learn them. And as you learn them, you let them learn you. I investigate to protect myself, to make sure that all of the previous pains do not manifest in a new form and to keep new pain from being introduced. This is a natural progression of forming identity, that we need people to have identity and that people start off to us as strangers and a relationship potentially evolves from there. Anthropologist Elfried Herman tells us about the Banabans, a people who live close to the island of Fiji. Historically, Banabans welcomed strangers who arrived at their shore. Quote, compassion is the basis for their capacity to bond socially with others, even compassion to the point of readiness to take strangers into their community. 
Their empathy, therefore, relates causally to how they act socially towards others. Here, compassion or pity embraces both understanding and fellow feeling. The islanders understand that the stranded mariner is at the end of his strength, which is why they succor him and treat him as one of their own. They understand him because he, like them, is a human being, a person. I love that you said that. It's so true. For this reason, I hate small talk. I want to lay groundwork or move on as soon as possible. As animals, can't you gather all of the information you need from a person in the first few seconds of meeting them? Your senses heighten, eyes widen, sense sharpen, maybe the hairs on the back of your neck stand up. Have I met you before? Are we weary of others because of predation? Historian Roger Eckert offers insight on why we sleep together as a form of protection. Night, man's first necessary evil, inspired widespread fear before the Industrial Revolution. Never did families feel more vulnerable than when they retired at night. Bedmates afforded a strong sense of security, given the prevalence of perils, real and imagined, from thieves and arsonists to ghosts, witches, and the Prince of Darkness himself. And then another thought, where do you find safety in dangerous geographic locations? After all, in certain parts of the world, your existence is solely self-protection. We find this protection within the familiarity of the pack. We seek protection with others. We attack or protect in groups, and forming emotional attachment seems no exception to this. If it's about finding a correlation between lower stress, safety, attachment, survival, the Rosetto effect is almost too perfect to mention. This is research conducted by Drs. Wolf and Brunn in an Italian-American community in Rosetto, Pennsylvania. Between 1954 and 1961, Rosetto men in high-risk age groups experienced virtually no heart attacks, which was significantly below the national average at the time, especially considering that their diets consisted of pastas, fried meats, stogies, and copious amounts of red wine. Somehow it turned out that those groaning dinner tables offered nourishment for the human spirit, as well as the body. In fact, all the communal rituals, the evening stroll, the many social clubs, the church festivals that were occasions for the whole community to celebrate, contributed to the villagers' good health. When my good friends Free and Kez and I were first becoming friends as adults in Brooklyn, we knew we wanted to be friends with each other, and we were like, how do we do that? And we realized that we needed to have a meal together. So we kind of had this checklist, it was a running joke, of the evolution of a friendship. And it went something like this. Invite them into your home. Make and share a meal together that everyone can enjoy. The other person reciprocates. Be vulnerable and let your friend help you. Help your friend when they need it. Support each other's endeavors. Show up for them. Go to a show together. Invite them somewhere. Introduce them to your other friends and family. Now, we have an assignment for you. It's coming up in just a moment, but first, Carla and I are going to play our free association word game. the other day was buying ginger and there's a guy next to me and he was getting ginger too and he's getting massive amounts of it oh that's a lot of ginger and he's like oh i make this juice with it and i juice ginger pears apples and lemons um i was on radiation therapy and i had a foot and a half in the grave and then i went vegan uh, i'm not on radiation anymore and i'm he's like fine he looks great the first time that I came to Austin to think about moving here, we were looking for a possible place to live. We were driving down the highway and I saw an exit that had really pretty houses. We pulled in, I took notes, and I called my real estate agent who I did not know, who was a complete stranger to me, and I told her that I wanted to live, to look for a house in that neighborhood. And she said that that's where she lived. And we ended up living four houses away from each other and now we're friends. 
was in college in Boulder, I picked up the people at the bus stop because I had a big car and I was like, I can give them a ride home. And I did. <laughs> the number you have dialed. We're watching a movie and my text dings on my phone and he picks up the phone and he goes, who is it? Out of curiosity, and it's a picture of a man's penis. Like a <laughs> close-up shot of a gigantic erect penis. And it was, and it turns out it was like for another guy that this guy was sending it to. And then Alex texted him back. He's like, impressive junk, wrong number. <laughs> oh my God. When I first moved to New York and I got a new phone and a New York number, I started getting all of these text messages and phone calls for somebody called Nutter Butter. And it got to the point where I would get them so frequently and it was such a funny word that I was playing with it. I was like, oh yeah, no, Nutter Butter's right here. But if you want to leave a message, I'll, you know, be sure to let them know. At one point, I, I spoke to like a district attorney. He asked for the person to pay and I was like, no, do you, but do you mean Nutter Butter? And he said, yes, and this is not a game and he's a very dangerous person and he like apparently he would he's like has psychotic tendencies and like big drug problems and he's violent and he, he's in a lot of trouble and they can't find him and somebody calls for him to say you don't know you know wrong number and hang up but do not entertain this because apparently this guy's like a really dangerous guy the first assignment has several different levels of engagement Talk to someone that you don't know very well but see somewhat regularly maybe a person at your market or workout class Accept an invitation for a party or event you wouldn't normally attend. Smile at a stranger. Send that email you've been afraid to send introducing yourself or your project to a potential mentor. Ask the beautiful woman in the elevator where she got her scarf. If you're an introvert, this can be a little challenging, especially if you don't like small talk. Screw small talk. Go ahead and skip the useless chatter. Jump into more substantial topics if that's what turns you on. See if you can trick your fate to head for a new and potentially interesting plotline. But remember to stay. See you April 2nd for the full episode. Do you live around here? Talk to your children about not talking to strangers. Okay. Do it today.